Welcome to another episode of Free Basketball. I am your host, Ryan Meadows. We have been out for, I think, two weeks now. So we are back once again. Unfortunately, a man down. So tonight, it's just me and old Danny Wade. Daniel Greer, how are you doing, sir? What up, man? I'm doing good. I am alive. I have <laughs> fought the cold. Whatever I had took me down a day, took me out, <laughs> um, took my voice. But I am back. I have little cough, whatever that yeah. might be. I have a little cough, but yeah. um, I will try to mute myself. So if I cough in your ear, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but I'm pretty good at controlling it now. I uh, there, people might have noticed the past couple episodes. I sound a little different. It's because now I'm doing a different recording way. So yeah. before I could easily edit out your coughing. Yeah. Now in this new format, it's it's the Wild West. Like, yeah. it's whatever happens, happens in this episode from now on. So, Wild, yeah. Wild West. Keep it keep it to a minimum, Sir oh, Hacks. Sure. I, I got the mute button. <laughs> got it. Uh, well, let's get in some basketball. I know it's been a few weeks, but there has been a topic that I have wanted to talk about that since it's happened, we just have not been able to work out our schedules where all three of us could get together and talk about it. So we still couldn't do that, but I couldn't hold off anymore before we get too far away. And that's Daryl Morey stepping down of the Rockets GM, which when it happened, it was surprising, but also not at the same time, just because of the situation. Uh, did, did you have an initial reaction to it at all? Or are you like, yeah, that makes sense? Well, I think it's been rumored for a bit that the coach and the, the GM would have issues. They could potentially one might leave and then the other, you know, he's the one that kind of stays. And then all of a sudden, both now they're out a coach and a GM. That was That was a little shocking to me, but – there's something going on um, within the, the Rockets organization. And I don't know if it's just bad upper management, but I think those two guys just said, you know what? Screw it. We're out. We did this. We created this, but you know, we don't feel the love. So we're out. That's, I don't know. I, I, there has to be something behind people just up and leaving. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of people will start pointing to, you know, the Hong Kong post yeah. as like the start of the downhill slope of him leaving. I don't know how much of that was from the new owner and Tillman Fertitta. We had, you know, an episode in the past, you know, I think last fall talking about like what he's done um, or actually it's probably a couple months ago because it was during the pandemic, you know, with his businesses and how he might be hurting financially. But Fertitta gave him this extension and said his job was safe. So I don't know if that's just, you know, saying things for the cameras and that behind closed doors, things are not going well. Right. To me, I don't know if you agree. I feel like the move that kind of started it was the Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook trade. Because it seems to be almost like known history fact now that Fertitta and Harden wanted Westbrook, but Daryl did not. Mm. But how is he going to tell his star player no and an owner who also wants it, right? Right. So I, to me, that's kind of the start of it for me. Like he sees before, I mean, he was with the Rockets for 13 years, had that one owner, I think it was uh, Alexander or something like that, the entire time. Now he gets Fertitta. He had... Basically, you know, he talked about in previous podcasts with people about how his ownership was great because they kind of let him like he ran it by him, obviously, and said, right. hey, here's what we need to do. And usually he okayed what Daryl did. Now it seems like he had an owner who ran it by him. But now the owner kind of has that new owner syndrome that's been talked to death about by people. Well, he has ideas of what it should be. So do you think it's some of that where maybe he felt like his power to make decisions were going to erode away. Yeah. He had to have thought that way because honestly, it, if you're with a certain ownership group or, you know, with a certain, you know, management, you know, people that are above you for so long, 
you kind of fall into place and you kind of know your role and you kind of work, I guess, work out your, your kinks and you figure each other out a little bit and you find your zone. And it looks like you found a zone, you know, over the many years. And then when this new owner comes in, ruffles a little feathers. And now this new owner, as you said, new owner syndrome thinks he's the man and thinks he got all these decisions because he's got all this money and he can make good GM decisions and not actually let his uh, GM who's been doing well for a while, actually trust him. Um, I, it has to be butting of heads, but the question I ask who was actually right in that decision? Do you mm. think it was Chris Paul they should have kept? Mm. Or do you think it was right to get Russell Westbrook? Because they have been good with Westbrook, right? but there was division somewhere supposedly between Chris Paul and James Harden. So could they maybe have worked it out? Are they a worse team? We saw really good uh, Chris Paul this last playoffs. Yes. So the, the Thunder made the second round. Right. Off of Chris and Paul. We, we never would have thought. No, they didn't make the second round. They lost to the Rockets the first round. I'm sorry. <laughs> they lost in seven to the first round in the first round to him, didn't they? Yeah, it was seven. Yeah, six or seven. I've slept way many, many times since then. But it was Chris Paul who is giving all the credit for taking that Thunder team that everyone, including us, thought would be a bottom lottery team. Right. And, you know, they were a whatever it was, a six seed or whatever it was. So it is interesting. I would have said stick with Chris Paul, but. You know, Daryl Morey has been this kind of pioneer of analytics, right? right? Like he's the guy who has pioneered, you know, teams did this and coaches did this before, you know, especially with Steve Nash, seven seconds or less, spread the court out, shoot a lot of threes, you know, dunk or shoot threes. Now, Daryl Morey took that and just made it an extreme, right? So he took what he saw from the Suns and said, we should only be shooting threes and only be shooting layups. Where we saw in this past year with the experiment they did, we don't even need a center. Let's mm. just play five forwards right. and we'll see, you know, we'll take the advantage of the numbers that way. I think what happens with the numbers of that is that it leaves you kind of cold, right? Because you look at players as just number you know numbers instead of their actual identity of who they are like you're just looking at raw data of what they do on the court instead of the emotional side you know which some teams the lakers obviously showed us maybe you shouldn't stare at just physical data for some of these players because of we saw it, the Lakers connectivity as a team in the finals looked like they were all having a pretty good time, which tends to happen when you're winning a championship. I don't know if they'd still been collective and having a lot of fun with each other if they would have lost to the Heat. Yeah, <laughs> but no chance. that's the kind of thing that's the kind of trade off of this, right? Is yes, you do this new style basketball that seems more efficient and obviously turned into results in the regular season for them. Daryl Morey, as the executive, they won 61% of their regular season games. They made 10 playoffs, two trips to the conference finals. Would you consider that resume by itself a success or do you think it's ultimately a failure because they could never break into the finals? I don't know. Um, that's tough to answer because you, on paper, you would say, yes, it's a success. Because anytime you can go that far in that kind of short of a window, I think is, is has to be deemed success. But if you actually use your eyes and you see how, you know, the superstars that they've actually had with James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and even um, Chris Paul, um, you would look at it and say that they've definitely failed because James Harden has been incredible. And when it comes to the playoffs, he somehow figures out a way to not be the best player on the court. And that has to be a failure. So, 
I, I'm, I don't want to get out of this, but I almost am because <laughs> on paper, yes. Yeah. Right. But with my eyes, I say it's a failure. <laughs> it's not on the GM, on the players. It, it is weird, right? Because like we even had a whole topic discussion with the rings culture, you know, behind things. But I mean, it takes into a factor. Great. You made the playoffs every year, which is very successful. Right. You've made a lot of money for your owner and the NBA. Yeah. You've got your plenty of share of revenue sharing, probably most profitable you've ever been going to the playoffs, especially 10 years in a row. But no one talks about them that way. No one certainly commends James Harden for making the playoffs eight straight years since he's been traded. It's all about he's always done or in the first or two rounds and he just can't get it done when it matters. So there is a trade-off. It's weird because if you just look at the raw numbers of it, like Daryl Morey would do, it looks like a success, right? Like if you move 30 years into the future and just showed a decade's worth of numbers, you would think the Rockets was one of the best teams of the decade because that's what the numbers show and how they're success. But then you do not see any finals. You don't see a championship. And I think this kind of bleeds into the talk about James Harden, which we're not going to talk at length about James Harden or anything or go into that rabbit hole again, but it feels like an indictment on James Harden and his playing style. Doesn't it to you? Yeah, because um, I don't know if he's got that bad body, but something's not working. Uh, I don't (laughs) like, I, I feel like if, you know, if you do the same thing over and over and over again, eventually, you know, the pies on your, on your face, because you are the one who hasn't changed anything. But I also understand that if you've done something for so long and you're so good at it. And honestly, most people would say James Harden is a top five player in the league just because he's so incredible on offense. Um, I don't know if you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, I needed to, to completely develop every part of my game to win a championship and to get to the finals in general. Um, or if he chalks it up to saying, I have lots of money. I always have a good time. I play <laughs> against LeBron and that's just how it's going to be. I, I don't can know. Score, I can score 36 points per game in a season. And that yep. could be off 10 threes in one night or 20 free throws the next night. Like it's yeah. just <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't, I think he, I think he deems his success as honestly himself, personal success. I don't think it's team success. I mm. think late in his career, he would, he'll see that. But I think that we're look we're going to look at James Harden back 20 years, 30 years from now. And we'll look and say, he is the Charles Barkley of this generation the best player to have never won a ring. Mm. That's an interesting comparison. I hadn't even thought about that. I think that's a perfect comparison for him, right? Because it's not like Harden's going to go on and be like this talk show, like talking head kind of personality right? that we know Chuck now, like Chuck has had this second life now as a personality, yeah. but as a pure basketball player, you look at Charles Barkley stats and you're like, this guy was the second best player of the nineties. Yep. You know, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> or the mid eighties to mid nineties. Right. And I think that's, I think that's a really fair thing to say is that it, it seems like Harden's going to kind of disappear after the game's gone. He seems kind of like a hermit anyways. Like he likes to be by himself. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, these guys were going to look back and say that like, it's just his numbers look awesome, but his team just couldn't do it with him, which kind of transitions to, what the Rockets might be looking forward to here in the next couple of years, because Harden is getting older. The time mm-hmm. is now for him. He is toward the end of his prime. I think he's coming up on 31 or 32. Daryl Morey, when we we're talking about the math of it, um, he traded a ton of pieces. It seemed like it was a way station for every role player imaginable that they could just get a fit of. I mean, the famous quote about Daryl is they'll do and trade anything. And Daryl's reply to that was like, yeah, we will. Until you have your foundational players, you should always be in a state of flux. Like you should always be trading and moving players until you get to that point. 
which I think he makes a valid point. But if you're moving all of the players around your centerpiece in Harden, doesn't that just kind of make Harden more in, in a fix to his individual playing style, right? Like, well, right. I'm going to keep doing this because it's not like Jeff Green's going to be here in six months. You know, yeah. why should I defer to this guy that probably is not going to be here in a year anyways? So let me do my thing. So they've got a new GM already, Raphael Stone, who, you know, was under Daryl, saw everything. But his kind of MO that people are saying about him is that he's a very good negotiator. Mm. I don't know of a NBA franchise GM, I'd have to look through this, who did exceedingly well at being just a great negotiator. <laughs> like he can just hammer people about their contract details. Like I, I, unless I'm just not thinking of one right now, but have you ever heard of a GM that was super successful? That was like, yeah, he's really good at the numbers and no. figuring out contract stuff. Well, I've never I, heard of a GM like that. That's I've heard of GMs that are like that, yeah. but I've never heard of one that's been successful in getting a championship team. Like you can just like Rob Palenka just now. Yeah, sure. He probably knows the numbers and can negotiate, but right. he knows how to put the team together. Now he yeah. may have help from LeBron saying what he needs, <laughs> right? but he knows who to go out and get. If you're talking about a guy who's just a pure negotiator, would that excite you as a Rockets fan? Like, oh, maybe he doesn't know how to look for any potential or how the team should look, but hey, yeah. he's a heck of a negotiator. He'll save us a couple million when we try to sign Gordon Hayward this year. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. What, what's your thoughts so, on that? Well, the, the first thing I think of is, if that's actually out in the public and that's known talk, known speak of this guy, that's already a red flag for me because if I'm going in to negotiate with somebody who has been called a great negotiator, I'm not giving him anything. I'm not going to just <laughs> somehow yeah. I will make sure I fight tooth and nail because I want to make sure that he's not running circles around me and I'm not, I'm going to look through every single piece of wording that's in that contract. Um, I don't even, I don't even know why that's even a part of the conversation personally, because mm. I think with a GM, a GM needs to have um, a lens on the future and a lens on the present and more of the lens always needs to be on the future because if you're on the present, you're mainly just adjusting from injuries, people just not playing up to their contracts, their abilities. Uh, maybe you have a new guy comes in and you need to get rid of the older guy, so you want to swap him out for some picks. But for the main reasoning of the GM is about the future, always thinking two steps ahead. And I think that when you look at these teams that have been successful – for you know let's say 10 years at a time it's because their gm thinks about the future so unless he's negotiating deals and <laughs> doing them so well that it sets himself up for the future to which this i just look i was just digging through their salaries and they have two guys they pay 80 million to two other guys they pay uh 32 34 million to and the rest are under five million each with a bunch of five hundred thousand guys. Like that is not the way to build a team. Mm. And so I don't know. I don't want to blame him for that, but he better be a master negotiator and somebody taking <laughs> off Russell Westbrook from him is what he needs to do. Well, what I felt about it when I read up a little bit about him and how he's just a negotiator, or whatever. Uh, master negotiator, quote unquote, is that it seems like a very Fertitta guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like very negotiate, you understand the numbers, like you're by the book. How can you save me, you know, save me some money here? Um, how can we get the most? Obviously, Fertitta, it's about getting the most 
out of the businesses that you own. Not saying that all the owners don't do that, right? Yeah. But especially for Fertitta with all of the kind of businesses he has, he's trying, it's service industry. He's trying to maximize as much profit from that service industry as he can. Now he's in this industry and now he's got a master negotiator hmm. to help him squeeze out every bit of juice he can from the business. So weird hot take, not really, but warm thought. Do you think there's a potential for not only Russell Westbrook to be moved, like you said, but is there a potential for a move from James Harden to reset the team, new owner, new new issue, well, new GM. He's been with the franchise, obviously, but just a completely clean slate, wipe it clean. You don't have the flexibility now to put the roster together that you want. A newer owner and a newer GM, especially his uh, the owner's pick, are going to want to have the team as they want. They don't want to coach or try to deal with any remnants of the old regime, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Is it potential for them to wipe the slate clean and we see both of them gone? Do you think James Harden has the potential to be moved? Wow. Um, I could definitely see Russell Westbrook being dealt uh, just because I don't think they are very good together. But the only way I'm moving James Harden is if I can get some kind of deal like uh, like Oklahoma City got for Paul George. Mm, just the godfather of picks offer. That is that's the only way I move somebody like that because I think you can easily get rid of Russell Westbrook and because most of these players, the only, only guys they have past, you know, this season um, or this past season are your main guys. And that is, you know, Westbrook and Harden, you know, they're both there for the next three years, but then you have Eric Gordon who signed for a long-term contract. He's only 16, 18, 19, 20. He accelerates 1 million every year. That's not a terrible contract if he can stay healthy. You that's you can easily deal that if you need to to redo your team. I don't think you get rid of both. I think if you want to get rid of Russell Westbrook and you know grab somebody like um, to the Brooklyn Nets and mm. grab uh, Karis LeVert and maybe uh, some guys uh, with him because you have to make up that money and send uh, Westbrook back. You know to KD land. Maybe they want to be friends again. That would be um, the most hilarious yeah. pairing. So they that, <laughs> did not end well in OKC. No, it would no. be hilarious to see Westbrook just walk through the locker room door. KD's like this. Mother <laughs> 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 yeah, no, no way. Uh, but yeah, that would be somebody like that um, who I would, I would, you know, like on my team, but I think you, I think you build your team that way, and I think that's possible, and I think you can easily get off these other guys' contracts, but the only way I deal James Harden is if I get the grand, you know, the godfather of draft picks and mm. a good player. Mm. Um, so yeah, that'd be I, the only I, way I'd do it. Not saying it's happening, just want to put it out there. Right, right. Nobody would expect that, I don't think. No. So I'm just put putting a little feeler out there, see if it tickles anybody. Because I think it's a possibility. I don't think there's anybody untouchable on this team anymore. And it definitely wasn't in Daryl Morey's time. I mean, he had like 77 trades and just went through player after player. But I, I do want to move on to a little fun thing we're going to do to end up with this, you know, first half being super serious about Daryl Morey. We just didn't get to talk about it for a couple weeks, and I wanted to bring it up. There's been a lot that's happened in the NBA that we will maybe eventually get to, but – to me, Daryl Morey, what Daryl Morey moving down was a very big move for me because I don't like the future for the Rockets. Like I just don't. Like the shelf life seems to be, you know, probably people thought the shelf life was only a four or five years, anyways. But Harden, basically by himself and Morey fitting pieces around him, have extended it to seven or eight. Yeah. So it's just like the clock is ticking. 
And I'm not sure they're going to have Rockets fans are going to have a very fun 2020s. Like I'm just, you know, I, I just don't feel good about them. <laughs> but the next thing to finish up, hopefully get a little short episode. I don't know how long this will take, <laughs> but this is, we like doing way too early things. And yeah. we have taught, we have heard that the NBA is discussing not set in stone, but it has been source leaked quote unquote that, the NBA could come back as soon as December 22nd or potentially on Christmas Day. So with that potentially only being two months away, I, my heart's I'm about to have a stroke just thinking about basketball back <laughs> again in 60 days. But let's do our top 10 power rankings the way too early top 10 power rankings because we know the NBA is probably more than likely coming back sooner than later like we initially thought. We're going to alternate 10 to 1. I'm going to start with 10. I've got the even numbers, so you get the odds. Okay. So number 10, I don't know if we want to debate these or we're just going to throw them out or if someone says something crazy, then we can you know put the brakes on it. But number 10 for me, Going into next season, obviously we don't know anything about salary cap, who's going to get signed. This is pure just conjecture. It's why it's too early. Top 10 for me. Even though they have two players, which we have no idea what they're going to do, I still have the Toronto Raptors as the 10th team mm. in our power ranking. Do you choose to ignore or just move to number nine? <laughs> I don't want to ignore that because I've been on the Raptors for a long time. And right. And I was on them, I think, two years ago. Big fan of them uh, when they won the um, the championship. Um, I, I liked what they did, um, and especially late in the year when they added Gasol. Uh, and then this last year, I was, I think, the only one that was had them in my top four. Um, but I have to say – that the Raptors are out of my top 10 because oh. I don't think Fred Van Vliet makes his way back. I think their time is okay. up. Mm. Mark, Mark Gasol, I, I, I want to say after having a, a conversation with him personally, I believe <laughs> that he doesn't know what he's doing and I would not expect him to go back to Toronto after that conversation. Interesting. I have heard rumors of him playing overseas. Well, I've heard rumors of him signing a one-year deal with a title contender. So I would suggest that Gasol does not play overseas. The season's already started, and he said that him going into a season and not having an offseason does not make sense. So he would not expect him to play uh, overseas this year. So, so I would going to be for someone, but you don't I, think the Raptors? I don't think it's the Raptors, and and I know they, you know, he even hinted that he would potentially, you know, he would come back to Memphis if the time was right, mm. if if it worked out for everyone involved, and if he felt like that was the best thing for his career and the number one thing for if it would benefit the Grizzlies is the only way he would come back. It's not about signing a uh, a one-day deal uh, that's obviously will be done at some point, but right. it's to actually play and be a part of this team. I don't think that's I don't think that's part of it yet. Mm. I don't think he's a bench guy that's coming behind Jonas. I don't think he is. I would love it, but so uh, to, sorry to get off on Marcus Gasol, but I think that he is definitely just just kind of writing on the wall. I don't think that they continue what they're doing in Toronto. Number yeah. nine for you. Yep, so I debated. Um, I had three teams for two spots. Uh, one of them would be the Raptors. Uh, but I had Houston at 10. So at nine, I'm going to have the Mavericks. Oh, I think that Luca <laughs> is such a special player that with hopefully Porzingis being fully healthy, I think this team can be better than Houston, uh, be better than a lot of teams, and I think they'll be a top five 
ish team in the West. Wow. I, that's the reason I didn't put like the Mavericks aren't in my top 10 and the Porzingis health was the, the thing. Right. Like that's, I could not put them in there because you just cannot rely on him and you just have never been able to rely on him. But Luca is almost, you know, good enough unto himself to make them at least a top 10 interesting team. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, eight for me is actually the team that was in the finals, mm. but did not win it. The Miami Heat. I don't know if that's any slander to the Miami Heat. It is not intentional, but all the teams above them, I just, I know the Heat that just had a great magical run. If you still, the seven teams that I have ahead, I still. Like, I just like those teams better. And yeah. I I can't really put my finger on it on why I kept looking at teams like, no, nah, they're not better than them. No, nah, they're not better than them. Yeah. So I really like the Miami Heat. But I don't know if I'm willing to say they're a top five NBA team based on just what they did in the playoffs. And I know that probably seems backwards. Cause it's not like they were lighting it on fire in the regular season last year. Anyways, they were a fifth seed. I'm really interested to see if they have kind of a letdown off of that finals appearance. And also, you know, what happens with Goran Dragic right. and some other pieces. And if we'll have more progress for Bam out of bio and from Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, will they be able to repeat the same magic? I'm just not sure. And that's why I have them at eight. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I have an eight as well on mine, but I, and the reason is, is because in the regular season, I think this team is a little bit different. I don't think they're the same team as they were in the playoffs. I think they got hot at the right time. They were in the bubble. There's a lot of good you can get from that. And I think that's what benefited them. So um, I completely agree with them. And to seven, Mm. I will say mm. this guy came out of not nowhere, but he came out of behind a tree that we knew he was standing behind, <laughs> but he still came out of nowhere. And that is Jamal Murray and the Denver mm. Nuggets. This is exactly where I had them ranked too. Why did you have the Nuggets at seven? So they've always, in the past two seasons, I've always doubted them myself, um, and I've always felt like they were not uh, that good. They always proved me wrong. And when I was looking through here, I was like, I can't put them that high. I can't put them that high. All right, this is where they settle. Because if you look at the top six names up here, these are some of the biggest NBA names the biggest NBA players and his next top six teams. And I just could not put them ahead of those other six. And so that's kind of why they fell to the seventh spot for me. Mm. Yeah. I, I love the Jokic Murray combo. I'm kind of nervous at how much money Jeremy Grant might make mm. because honestly, he's just overrated to me. Right. And I'm kind of curious what happens with Michael Porter jr. Too. Like, is he going to be, you know, is Michael, is Mike Malone going to trust him? Like, is he going to be a starting NBA player next year? I know they're young. They're a sexy pick to be a top NBA team. I've always enjoyed them. I've always kind of defended them, you know, for their game seven stuff. Yeah. Like, yes, they're incredibly lucky to make it to the Western Conference Finals. They could, you know, they could have lost first round to the Jazz, but like they made it and Jamal yeah. Murray and Jokic were pretty special. I just think there is a very obvious ceiling to this team that I'm not sure how much they truly get better to vault them into a top five, like power NBA ranking team that we're doing. Yeah. And I think with some of the names you see here shortly, obviously you'll, I think people will agree. So they're yeah. on the periphery. And they have the potential to be one of those teams, but as long as some of these players are still in the NBA and playing well, they're just not going to be that top tier. So, which leads me to number six for me, 
which is a very similar type team to me, but I think they have a little bit higher trajectory ceiling because I think their offense can be pretty amazing now that they've gone through kind of, you know, the fight together. They've got some battle scars and it was a first time, you know, for their starting point guard and Kimba Walker and that's the Boston Celtics. And I really like the Celtics. I think next year they're going to be awesome. And I think they're going to be a very good team. And I would not be surprised if they repeated as an Eastern Conference final appearance and potentially break into the finals. Uh, Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And I actually had them as my fifth uh, best team. Mm. So so I'm going to give you my number six in the five spot, but um, I think the Celtics team has a chance to be, uh, I'd say, definitely one of the top three teams in the East next year. And I know they they were this year. I think that they are kind of stabilized themselves as the head of the East. And so with these other two teams that I think will join them, I think the Heat are going to be – who they are and I think they'll fall down and be the fourth, you know, be the four through seven. I also think Philadelphia will be there in the four through seven. And so I think uh, definitely the Celtics will be one of those top three teams uh, this next Mm. year. I I think the, I think the East is very predictable as it was this past year. Um, Mm. So going into number five, I'll give you what I had. had, I, I had ranked at six and that is the Brooklyn Nets. (laughs) <laughs> and so I do believe yep. we f- we probably flip flop there, yeah. Uh, from that, and so um, I think that I don't want to put KD and Kyrie up too high on this because they haven't played a game. Uh, right. They're they're both coming <laughs> off of injuries. We have not seen year KD older. after yeah. the Achilles. Yeah, yeah. They just got rid of a coach without even playing. Like they brought in their own coach. Like there's a lot of, you know, craziness that happened around this team. So I didn't want to put them this high, uh, but that's kind of why I put them as a six. uh, But in this, we're going to put as the fifth. So uh, I think Brooklyn will be uh, definitely one of the top, you know, contending teams this year. If they can mesh well together, uh, bringing in two superstars into a team that was not, not bad at all in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, they they weren't as horrible as I thought they would be. Right. <laughs> they have pieces definitely. The you know people are. This is where I kind of zig to everybody zag on KD. You know, not see him after the Achilles. Yeah. Like even if he's eighty percent of what he was, you know, with the explosiveness and the athleticism, like his shot probably didn't change. Right. And. He's a seven foot one shooting guard. <laughs> so even if Kyrie, you know, Kyrie likes to do his one on one cook him. Right. And if even if KD is just hanging out around the perimeter, It'll like fine. he's a he's an overqualified perimeter three point shooter, right? right? And if he has somewhat explosiveness, that's still a top ten NBA player to me. So I don't have as much concern about KD because I think KD has the kind of game like Steph does where it will age well. And like Russell Westbrook obviously is not going to age well with his explosiveness and his inability to shoot outside of six feet like Ben Simmons. Yeah. But KD's also seven or eight inches taller than Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah. So I even if KD is not – you know, the same player that he was before the injury, I still think he's going to be at least a top seven or eight NBA player just as a, you know, mild dribble drive threat and right. just a sit there and just knock him down or off transition pull up. Like he's not going to like, that's not going to go away for him. So no. the only issue for me on the Nets is it's actually Kyrie who knows what kind of Kyrie are we going to get for if they do a shortened season 72 games, is he going to be involved for all of them? They've got weird stuff to fix and that's on a first new brand new head coach and Steve Nash. But I actually, you know, believe Steve Nash is a very smart person. We'll seek a lot of advice from people who've been doing it a long time. And 
I trust them to figure it out where I think they will be an extremely good team in the East. Yeah. And I, I would not be surprised to see them in their first year make the Eastern conference finals. I, I don't think this team is destined to be a finals team right away, but right. it would not surprise me to see them lose in the first round or make the Eastern conference finals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so unpredictable. This lot, this roster and this team is, but number four, talking about that team that's super unpredictable, I have the Los Angeles Clippers here. I, I don't really know what else to say about them, except they don't really seem to like each other. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not sure what kind of moves they're going to make. And they got rid of Doc Rivers, something we haven't talked about. Hired Ty Lu and always be your own people. And, you know, poor Doc. It always be your own people, right? And like, I, I just don't know. I like people are just resting on Kawhi. Yes. Like he's going to just deliver them from this, and he could not do it in a weird bubble situation. And now he's out here saying they need to bring in some sort of point guard, which I've said for a year now. Right. So obviously there are problems. Don't know what they're going to do with Montrose Harrell. Are they going to actually resign him big money? I don't know. Um, so they are a wild card, but just the fact that they have Kawhi, I feel like you have to put them <laughs> in this top number, like yeah. in these top teams. And that's mostly on performance last year of being a two seed when they didn't like each other then. Like, I, I don't know what really changes. <laughs> Like yeah. they still don't like each other, but they're still going to be a top four team in the NBA. <laughs> At least I think. I don't know. Yeah, Would no. you agree? Yeah, they'll definitely be a top four team throughout the year, especially in talks, uh, because they'll always have Kawhi. Unless he gets injured, they'll always have him. And with who they're bringing back, surrounding that with 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 a playoff P or pandemic p or whoever you get with uh with paul george um Uh, he's gonna be good enough for them to be a top team now when it comes to crunch time paul george is the most important person on that team because if he plays well they can be great if he does not play well you'll go see exactly how they were in the in the bubble this year so Mm. um i don't think he gets traded i just think those two have been friends there's a reason they're playing together. I don't know if that's the only two, you know, only person Kawhi could find that would actually, you know, be shipped out to LA or if they're actually like tight. So um, I'd be, I'd be kind of, I'd love to know really how close they, uh, they actually are, but um, mm. I had the, I had them actually in the, uh, the fourth spot as well. And so uh, that was, um, that was one we matched up well on. What's the third one you got? Number, number three, three for you? golden, State Warriors. Ooh! So I obviously have two other teams ahead of them. And it's hard to put them over other teams, but I have Golden State as um, definitely one of the top teams in the league. I think they'll be better than, uh, than the Clippers in the West. And I think they'll compete for a championship again, you know, this year like they have every year. I don't know what they're going to do with this draft pick, but if it was me, I would go get James Wiseman. Mm. He's going to be there. Mm. And I would mm. surround, mm, that a, good. surround a young, <laughs> big guy who can catch lobs. He can be what they've already had, but better. Better at defense. Cheaper. Much, <laughs> much cheaper than Kevin um, Looney. Yeah, well, yes, but I'm just saying this guy Cody's can develop. Guy. Yeah, he can develop into such a good player. Um, he will learn how to shoot once he becomes an NBA player. He will learn that over a course of two or three years that he'll be able to shoot farther and farther back every year. But his first few years, he won't need to. And if they're smart, they'll go get that guy. And if they get him, they could easily put some weight on him and match him up against Anthony Davis. And I mm. think with the help of Draymond Green, I think that you can actually, you know, you can benefit 
playing defense next to Draymond because he does all the little things right. And so I think that they'll definitely be there, but I have to put them at three because they've all, they're all coming off injuries and we have not seen them in a while. I love this pick. I actually had them at two. Oh, I have a lot of faith in the Warriors and everyone's obviously going to be talking about Giannis's impending free agency and what Mm -hmm. he's going to do. And it's going to dominate the year, I think, in headlines. Yeah. But I think the Golden State Warriors are the most interesting situation team next year. Yeah. And because of all the factors you said, what do they do with the second pick? Are they going to keep Andrew Wiggins and try to fit him around? And what do Steph and Clay look like coming back from injury? And is Draymond's body done? Does he have one more run as a small ball, you know, physical center left in him? And what kind of bench are they going to be actually able to produce? The Golden State Warriors are super interesting to me because I think they make up the deficit in audience viewing and viewership. Mm. They were not in these playoffs and some of the highest ratings that we've seen for the NBA, like it's been kind of steadily declining, you know, almost every year, but when the warriors are at the peak and at the top viewership is good. I would, I'll go ahead and make a prediction right now that if the warriors are indeed back and they're good, Steph and Clay draw to draw attention mm. and everyone will want to see the Warriors, I think against the Clippers more, I mean the Lakers more than Clippers versus Lakers. Wow. And so I will say right now that next year viewership will go back to what it was. We will not have this huge, you know, 30 to 40% deficit. Yeah. I think the Warriors are just the most interesting team. They have the most they can do. They are the biggest wild card in this entire NBA these next two months, starting with the draft. And I think they're a lot of fun. And I think they're going to be very good next year. Again, they have a purpose. Talked about with Cody about ignoring the narratives. Mm-hmm. They have the narrative coming back, right? right. Everybody thinks we're dead. We're going to show everyone. Everyone thinks LeBron is the new king of the West now. Well, we're in this mother. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And Um, I I just think the Warriors are going to be, are going to have an incredible season. And I think they're going to be a super fun team. Uh, Number two, Milwaukee Bucks for me. Mm. Everyone's going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, Giannis situation. To me, the Bucks are kind of in a desperate situation because they don't know what he's going to do. I don't think they'll trade him out of panic. I think they'll just ride it out and hope they do something in the playoffs that keeps him around and he re-signs. I think they can give him the most money. Um, but I think it kind of comes down to what's important for Giannis. Does he want to ring chase? Or is he just kind of over the situation? And... I think Giannis is going to be, you know, two-time MVP. And I would not be surprised to see him go for her three-peat next yeah. year. I, I think the Bucks are just going to be really good. I think they have some moves to make. The only worry I have for them is that they do something move roster-wise out of desperation. And... Yeah. You know, people have, you know, in the past, don't hear much anymore, but rumored of Victor Oladipo or Chris Paul. To me, that is a desperation move. Yeah. And that is not, that is something I would stay very far away from if I were the Bucks. So that's the only thing that kind of worries me about them. But I think the Bucks are still going to be a 61 team next year. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of why I put them as my number two is because they're such a good regular season team and they're, they by far have the best player, you know, in his prime right now, fully healthy in Giannis. Um, so it's going to be hard to beat him on a night where you're just like, man, I just don't feel like playing to back to back or we've just had to travel. We're not used to traveling again. I don't know. I, I just think it's so hard 
to play with somebody like that because him not even trying, sometimes he's still the best player on the court. And so, right. Plus 30 minutes a game, you know, exactly. averaging 30 points and 12 yeah. rebounds, whatever it was. I, I think you see a shakeup this year because I think it's going to be a put-up or shut-up for them. I don't think they're going to sign anybody to a long-term deal, but I would not doubt if they tried to do some things to – incentivize him to to come back and show that hey we're willing to make it work we're willing to sign a chris paul would you take a flyer on chris paul it depends on what i had to give up okay the problem with that the 40 million dollar salary doesn't hurt you doesn't scare you doesn't scare me on short term no because if you're a good team and you have the mvp of the league you can go get a free agent easily right but he has to be short term, such as a two year deal, because Chris Paul is getting older. If you want to, I don't know what, do you know what Chris Paul has left on his contract by any chance? I think it's two years exactly, actually. Okay. I think it's this year and one more. Yeah. Yeah. If Chris Paul has two years, so you, I think get, it's a player option too. I think he's probably going to sign that. I'd imagine. I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, so I would say if there's two years, I would say get a Chris Paul. The only issue is, mm. is, getting rid of making those salaries match up mm. um and i don't know who you give up i don't know their team well enough but i'd be down with that because wow. you have a floor general who hasn't won either right you have Giannis, who has the chip on his shoulder even though he's the mvp he has that chip on his shoulder because so many people tell him he's not good enough mm. and i think that you bring Chris Paul in and you, if you can surround him with enough stuff, you do it. I just don't think they can make the contracts work worth without having to throw in three people because I don't think yeah. the bucks have that big of contracts. Yeah. I, I, throw in a lot of picks. I, I think people are kind of drawn by the sexiness of the Chris Paul Giannis, you know, it's like, Oh, it's young Blake Griffin and Chris Paul again, you know, this will be awesome. Um, but I am actually on the opposite of that. I don't think I would want the Chris Paul far with the Bucks. See, I would actually be more interested in someone not as good as Chris Paul, but actually younger that I think fits better. And that would be a Spencer Dinwiddie. Hmm. That is actually who I would shift to yeah. instead of an older albatross, even though it's a shorter contract like Chris Paul. Like I I just don't think the Bucks need very much. Yeah. And if I can substitute Eric Bledsoe for Spencer Dinwiddie, I yeah. think that just completely changes things for them. And I know you could argue the same thing, Eric Bledsoe for Chris Paul, but I just like, you know, the age of Dinwiddie, you know, just his more not necessarily he's a better shooter than Chris Paul, but Chris Paul is certainly no like three-point bomber. Yeah. Not saying that Dinwiddie is, but I just like that fit better adverse to Chris Paul. And that's saying as someone who will defend Chris Paul to the day I die. That's <laughs> <laughs> one of the best point guards I've ever seen. But yeah. uh, let's not delay it anymore because yep. I'm sure you won't have much to say about number one. Who do no. you have at number one? Unfortunately, it is uh, the Lakers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so... What's I kind of thought, thought you'd get, like pivot a little bit just to be, you know, whatever, and say like the Chicago Bulls and Jordan's <laughs> better. Jordan's better or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, the Lakers definitely. I hate to say it. I, I honestly, I'm so over LeBron. I'm so over him. I just, I, I appreciate his um, athleticism. I appreciate his love for the game. I just hate his style of basketball. I just do. <laughs> I hate how he needs to have his respect or whatever he said after the game. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's so stupid. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> personally. Anyway, uh, but Anthony Davis, if he can be Anthony Davis, that can compl- putting those two together, it's a duo, it's a duo that if you surround them with enough pieces, they're going to be good. Um, they obviously have a lot of holes, a lot of holes. Danny Green d- did not look like Danny Green. Kuzma is he? He? I don't know what he's going to do because he did not look good. Um, and so they have a lot of issues. Um, honestly, Dwight Howard 
kind of was just overwhelming against the Miami Heat in uh, Bam Adebayo, who was kind of hurt. Um, so that was he was one of the key factors of that final. So I, I don't know what they're going to do or how they're going to look. Eventually, LeBron has to fall off. But until he does, dude, I'm going to give him his props. Um, he's been the top of the game for so long. So uh, I'm just curious if his body can continue to hold up long enough for uh, Bronny to come along. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I want to add anything to that, uh, what you said about the <laughs> Lakers, because I, I feel the same way. I just I, – obviously, if you have those two as your centerpiece, people are going to want to come play with you. Right. It's just – For cheap. <laughs> it's just, you know, LeBron – really hasn't had NBA final success with this, but at least he's had playoff success anyways, is the right combination of those players. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious who will be available, how they'll plug and patch this roster, but they have to be considered the number one team for next year. They just have to be. And until can someone can figure out, that pe- that bully ball pairing, I think they will continue to be a number one team. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just strictly playing three ball like Houston, but actually scoring from three and just outscoring them. Or if you actually get some size to try to match up with them and grind and slow the game down. Yeah. That's to be seen. I think they will be got next year, but I'm curious as – what type of team that might actually be. So uh, do you have anything to plug before we go? Uh, nothing uh, other usual. Um, just uh, the same thing that we always do. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel Greer um, and also follow the lead at Lee at the lead SM. Is that right? Or is it lead? SM? Yes. No, that's is right. The, the lead. lead? Yeah. Okay. Follow, yeah. Sorry. Followed the lead. <laughs> SM. I always get Unless it wrong. Unless they changed it. No, I think it's sure right. It's yeah. I'm just so used to it being differently, but I, I think now they changed it, and I always second-guess myself, but it is at the lead SM. Uh, we are part of the lead sports media. Uh, something we've been doing a lot is uh, the locker room, and so it is actually live, so please go over and join it. Uh, hop on. We are on all the time. It is pretty much a live podcast that you can um, have discussions about um, if you're listening to this and you're a loyal listener get on there come over there and listen to us uh, we have a group uh, Ryan's actually going to be on he's he's now been on the last three weeks with me being sick <laughs> and then now one of the guys being out yeah. um, but we are live every Thursday night at 7 p.m. on the locker room That's all I, I think it's only on iPhone right only on iOS right now the rich people's phones. <laughs> <laughs> the suckers phones. True. Uh, <laughs> yeah, please follow the lead. Um, trying to do a lot of stuff. They're trying to get bigger. So trying to do our part anyway. So hope you enjoyed listening to us. I am at RD Meadows 11. Follow the locker room. I think it'll be a lot of fun tomorrow. So if you got that fancy iPhone, that new 12, just go ahead and download Locker Room, join us at 7, and you can actually debate me on the phone and try to not look stupid in front of me. So uh, it would be a lot of fun. I like debating. So you should hop on there and uh, try to take a punch at me, verbally. I'm a good, <laughs> I'm a good verbal puncher. <laughs> but Daniel, it was nice to talk to you again, sir. Nice to be back uh, at 66 percent capacity close i'm getting there the, uh, the other 33 percent cody i hope he's okay yeah. <laughs> i haven't exactly heard from the past couple of days but um, we'll all get back together because the draft is coming up in a few weeks and if you know me at all it is one of my favorite things ever so we're going to have a couple draft episodes that i think are going to be really fun so be looking out for that that will be popping up on our feed at free basketball three so thanks for listening follow share rate review and we'll be back very soon see you